0: This is the intersection of assistive, educational, and information technology. Whether it's technology for inclusive classroom learning or tools for community success, technology can promote independence and inclusive technology has become more available for everyone. Welcome to the Inclusive Technology for All podcast with your host, Mike Murata. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to Episode 70 that will be released on March 30th, 2020. Hope you're doing okay. Hope your families are well. Uh, This is another episode with the audio recording for the AT Town Hall, which we did earlier today. And the video recording is posted up on the ATAC NJ YouTube channel. So if you want to go search for the recording, you can find it there. Or you can just stay with it right now and listen to the audio part. Enjoy. Okay, we're recording. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our third weekly town hall in this ever-evolving uh, hour-long interaction that we seem to be uh, in now for the, uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, there's me. Hi. How are you? It's good to see everybody. Uh, here's people who could be in the panel, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Got some am here. Parents there.
2: Karen Janowski's here.
1: I don't know if anybody else is here in this little picture. They're going to get their pictures bumped from the, from the main screen is what's going to happen. Oh, Kelly's here. All right, Kelly, you can stay in the main picture too. (laughs) No, it's, you know, like anything else, it's tricky because we're all uh, doing 400. Yeah, definitely. Like Karen said, we're going from meeting to meeting as we move through this. So maybe people will pop on as we, uh, as we go through, please make sure you share stuff in the chat because that's where most of the questions are gonna come from. I have a handful that I've just been pulling out of other conversations that I hear people having uh, that I thought would be good convo starters. Uh, but besides that, we'll just have a conversation from the chat, so make sure you're uh, ready to share either in the chat or if you wanna turn your mic on and jump into a pause, you can do that too. Two, two links to share. Uh, we do have that one document that is a crowdsourced document It's at a bit.ly, bit.ly slash remote access for all. And thanks to Tiffany, I just fixed it. And so now you can add things back into it again. Here it is. And it's growing pretty good. And there's a ton of stuff in there. Uh, So please feel free. Drop any resources you have in there. That would be wonderful. Uh, And then after our conversation last week, uh, Alyssa and Kelly uh, updated the AT Chat Website. So now the AT Chat has a website. Karen, did you know
2: that? That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, yes. Kelly. That's
1: great. They did a great job, yeah. uh, and we purchased a domain. That is my donation to the AT Chat world, uh, and now it lives at atchat.info. So if you go there on your website on your browser, uh, you'll get into the AT Chat website, which has uh, under distance learning. The document that I just showed you that you guys could all add to. And it's a this is an ongoing page. So here's the document at the top. Once it finally loads, there it is, you can get to it. There's the recordings from every other town hall. We'll just keep dropping them there. And here's kind of our FAQ. When people ask a question and we get an answer, we're just dropping it in under these drop-downs under different areas. Brilliant. So that will continue to evolve. Uh, As we have AT Chats and as we have these conversations, uh, that will uh, change, which is great. And we also have the archives from every year of the AT Chat. So that is the new AT Chat website, which is pretty awesome. All that for $12. You can't beat that. That might be the best $12 I spent in weeks now.
2: That that is excellent. I love it. Awesome.
1: So here's some thoughts for today. Uh, like I said, the conversation can go anywhere, but here's some of the main headings of things we could talk about. Uh, but this hour is everybody's, not mine. So whatever we want to talk about, uh, we talk about. I thought the first one, it worked last week and I liked it. So maybe we start with something positive, something good that happened to you last week. Does anybody have something to share? Head it through
3: there. the week.
1: Yeah, yeah that's why I was thinking, thinking the same, same thing,
2: Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> We survived it. But Tiffany, you, you must have some positive stories because you're working one-on-one with students, which is tremendous.
4: You know, it's gone better than I thought it was going to go. Um, but it's hard when everyone's on different devices and everywhere. I have one student who has like the ultimate setup. She goes to her dad's office with the, me on the big screen and her iPad in her lap and the world is perfect. And then some of them are on a Chromebook, and Zoom's not friendly with Chromebooks. So, you know, you do what you have to. My goal is just to maintain and not slide back with them. Mm-hmm. Um, since all the kids I'm working with have reading disabilities, uh, that's the goal right now. Hoping that we can get to some normalcy this summer, but yeah, not sure how that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good. And I, I, I want to hear more as, as we go through the hour if people have had these uh, one-on-one kind of sessions with students and how that's worked and things that have gone well and things that haven't gone so well. Um, the types of The types of learning that seem to work well in those one-on-one environments and then the kinds of things where you're really struggling with doing it where you need to be next to the person or, or in the same space. Uh, that seems to be the trick with some of it.
2: Um, One of the positives for me was learning about some of the great things that LessonPix is doing in this space and um, how uh, Bill and Lori immediately jumped on uh, an issue that had been that some people had pointed out and so they're doing some fun interactive things with PowerPoint and LessonPix and it almost reminds me of the old days of IntelliTools class of uh, some of the IntelliTools Things and nobody else has been able to replace anything that IntelliTools has done. So it's pretty exciting that they're being re- so responsive to the needs of teachers, therapists, and students. Yeah. Check out anything with Lesson Picks. They're doing some really incredible things.
1: Yeah, they really are. Thank you, Karen. That's awesome. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. So I um,
2: had our first
5: uh, Netflix party and it was a success, but it was, it was uh, with the movie Crip Camp and it was really good. And I could see how teachers could have parties with their students and have conversations through um, watching you know, a selected movie, but it was really great and it was a lot of fun too, so.
1: Tell us some of the ins and outs, Kelly. How do you set something like that up? What does it look like?
5: So once you download the Chrome extension, um, the, the person who wants to host it um, just gets a link to that movie. And so once everyone has their Chrome extension loaded and then you get the link, once you open it up, um, your I, your little um, bookmark, the N, it says NP in your Chrome extensions and it'll light up red and then a chat box comes to the side of the movie. So you're just chatting back and forth. There's no video, it's just it's just a chat box.
6: Yeah, and, cool. and this is Luis. I was the host for the uh, Crip Camp uh, watch party last night. Uh, and it was a lot of fun, like Kelly said. Um, I try to make it as much as a movie experience as possible. So we started with some uh, trivia, some disability history trivia, just like when you go to the movie theater and they have, you know, the movie tracks or whatever it's called. Um, so there's there's ways you can make it uh, into a really nice experience. Um, the movie that we watch um, really is a history that not a lot of people know and should be known. It's It's really how... A lot of what we have today with the Americans with Disabilities Act, with Section 504, how that all came to be, it all originated with a group of campers at you know at a camp in upstate New York uh, that became leading figures in that history. Uh, I will warn you, there are parts of the, the documentary that are maybe difficult, talk about difficult topics, so I'm hoping that they will come out with a version that is uh, safer for schools <laughs> yeah. uh, that we can share with students because I think the history part of it is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm actually glad that they discussed the topics that they did um, because they're topics that are often considered taboo and not discussed openly within the disability community. So um, it's great, but it, it'd be good to have another option that you know, could be shown in schools. Yeah, that's yeah
5: it definitely pushes your thinking.
1: For, yeah, sure. for sure. I, and of course, I saw it way too late. You guys were already deep into it. And I was like, oh, all right, I missed that. Uh, that's all right. I watched Nonsense instead for two hours and then went to bed, which was a better way to do things. Than maybe. <laughs> but, um, so you're not watching the movie at the same time? You are. Mm-hmm. But in that window, are you watching it?
5: Yeah. So when Louise hits play, we're all watching Like, he's basically has control of what we're watching. And then during that time, it's just like, yeah, the chat box is just on the far right. And you can pick your little icon. You put your name in there. And he did make it. He put some really hard trivia for us and said we cannot Google, which I didn't think was fair. Um, But he was like, grab your snacks. (laughs) We did. We had snacks and drinks. And, yeah, just talked. Really had a great conversation throughout that whole movie. It was really great. So, you should try it. Everyone should try it. Yeah, and I,
6: and I turned on the captions on my end, so I'm not sure. Kelly, did you have to turn on the captions, or was it showing I, my captions?
5: Yeah, I had to turn mine on.
6: Okay, great.
1: Okay, that's so good to some know. of those controls still happen at the user end on each side. Okay, that's good to know, though. That's fun.
2: Yeah. All right. yeah.
1: We might let Luis pick our, our uh, entertainment for the next couple of weeks. Maybe we let him be our host and...
6: Are you sure about that, Mike? You know, you and I have similar tastes in movies. That's why I'm not scared.
1: I I can take it. If you can dish it out, I can take it. It's fine.
2: (laughs) I'm not scared
5: either. I am not scared.
1: (laughs) I dare you to try to get me to not participate.
2: (laughs) So I do. Can we go on with the question? Let's go on. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But this came up in conversation today. How are people meeting the the unique learning needs of students with very complex special needs. How are they, what does that look like? Is anyone aware of successes with um, meeting the the very complex needs of our most significant um, students in a telepractice or in remote learning? What does that look like? Okay. Yeah,
1: that was it. I th- uh, we Oklahoma all waited so go ahead. started
4: all of this in spring break. This all hit during spring break. And so we went from spring break being normal Monday, Tuesday to the world starting to shut down and them going, okay, we'll figure out what's happening during spring. Break. Right. And then they said, okay, no for two weeks. And then by the second, by that first week, we already knew that we weren't going to go back in our buildings for the school year. So our schools this week is their first week to really start trying to even figure out what school's going to look like for the rest of the year. Um, And I know that our state department's been pushing out lots of great information but I don't know how that's going to happen across Oklahoma right now.
2: I mean admittedly this is a very small percentage of the students who do whose needs do need to be met but I do wonder if it's possible. I mean it seems to me it would be more um, working with the parents than working with the students. But I'm just wondering what other ideas people have.
6: I think uh, Eliza, I think you're muted, so we can't hear you.
1: Yeah, I kept waiting for her to pop on. I saw she was there and then try it again. I can unmute you on my side, but I don't know if that's
6: it may be yeah. I'm off
1: the other thing too. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay, perfect.
3: Um, So, we are doing a couple of different things. All of our schools, most of our schools, were already using unique learning systems. Um, And so, they're uh, setting up the home access for teachers, for parents to be able to use that and for teachers to be able to assign work. Um, From an AT perspective, I am doing full-on teletherapy and I have students who are using their eye gaze devices that we are basically rigging a double, double device system. So uh, their eye gaze device system is going to be up as normal. Um, I can log in remotely to their eye gaze device if I need to, but then I have a second set of cameras where we're using our secure teletherapy platform um, where I will be kind of providing some activities and supports that the parent or the facilitator are gonna be helping do, do with the student. Um, some of it is device problem solving, but we're basically using two devices to do it just because otherwise the real estate on their device screen is really hard to problem solve that way. Um, we cannot use Zoom in our district. Um, nobody can at all, uh, teacher, staff, nobody. Um, too many privacy issues, too many terms of use issues. Um, and I've seen that happen lots of other places. I love it for adult to adult conversation, but, um, but anybody anybody 18 or older, no go. Um, So um, we have to kind of get creative about how we're doing it. And the teachers um, are kind of, I've been co-training some of our hospital homebound teachers who already work in the homes, but are used to being able to go there physically. And we're talking about using, we have Google Meet as an option. They can also use our teletherapy platform. Um, And so Google Meet gives you the option of, you know, having that face-to-face conversation. But again, Almost every teletherapy that's successful research-based is having to rely on a facilitator of some sort. facilitators not an easy word, but like a supporter of some sort. Um, we have some adult siblings that are helping. We have, if the parents are working during the day, we have one parent that's taking their, you know, their lunch break and doing it then. Some of it is still kind of coming out, but I mean we're, we're having to kind of creatively problem solve. And what I'm doing for student A, Is different from what student B's family or parents or whoever wants so we're kind of having to individually problem-solve those scenarios.
5: Yeah Yeah, and we've been talking with educators as far as using um, utilizing the paraprofessionals because we're getting a lot of questions about that and so one uh, conversation that came up is for teletherapy using the paraprofessional to help with the tech at the beginning so when the therapy starts it's ready to start and so the paraprofessional can work with the families um, and kind of coach them through with how to use Google Meet and get that set up beforehand.
1: I think that's great. I, and I've seen a lot of this conversation about, you know where are the paraprofessionals in this process now? Uh, I, I worry that not all the paraprofessionals have been provided that training in the beginning to be effectively supporting right. someone on the other end. Um, I know in one of my schools, The paraprofessionals don't even have emails, so they're not technically even on the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a real, it it was a missed opportunity before this happened. And now it's just a real missed opportunity um, to have those people available and use use their skills as frontline support Mm -hmm. for the other
6: educators. Yeah, Mike, and I'm leaving that today because our school's actually started today. And uh, for those that don't know, my girlfriend is a sign language interpreter. And so they're trying to figure that out, how to do that uh, in a way that's, you know, efficient and uh, secure and so on. So it's going to be a week of lots of growing pains. Um, I would recommend uh, the RMTC Center. I'm going to see if I can find a link uh, here in Florida. Um, they put out some videos over the weekend, but like you said, a lot of it was just her over the weekend trying to get up to speed on, on her own time and trying to figure things out. So it's not a coherent message that's coming out of the district. It's sort of like we're flying the plane and uh, looking out at the, the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't even say building it. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing something, but uh, it's going to be an interesting week to say the least. Cool. Yeah. It is,
1: and and you think about it, and and, you know, and and somebody just mentioned it in the chat, I'm not sure who just chatted me, somebody did, sorry, I don't know who, Um, that some districts are laying their paraprofessionals off. And again, we we might be missing a huge opportunity here um, to just double our efforts. Uh, Yes. Think about some of of our paraprofessionals, I would argue, know those students best. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they're with them all the time, providing support across school, across uh, Mm -hmm. classrooms. And they might have a better sense of where a student is at globally, Mm -hmm. that they could apply to these situations. And I think we're missing that. Um, And like Louise said, interpreters and other support individuals. How are we going to mesh all that together? Um, Alyssa, that's awesome, Alyssa, that you're using two separate cameras and two separate devices and doing all that. But just listen to the tech complexity of that setup. Sounds like a nightmare. And I'm a tech person and it sounds like a nightmare. Um, Imagine if you were to present this to a parent um, who is struggling just to move through this experience and you're like, oh, by the way, just hook up a camera over here so I can see what's happening. And then we're going to have your machine and don't worry, every once in a while, I'll remote in and take over. Uh, They're going to run away from you screaming.
3: I wouldn't do that with every family by any means. Yeah. Mike, I don't see in the group chat, it looks like I can only send it to you.
2: Same with that's me. My, yeah. That's my situation too. This is Mike, true. is there some setting that you need to take care of in it? the chat?
1: Because um, I really I, wanted everything to be about me, so that's probably <laughs> why I did yeah. that.
2: Let's see, why did that
1: happen? Uh, oh, so yeah, If
3: you're go. not using Zoom, what are you using? There you go. If I'm not, so we're using Google Meet. Um, and for our teletherapy, we're using a, a, tele, a specific teletherapy platform. And last week I said it and and I got an email from the owner was like, did you talk about my platform somewhere? Um, it's a called TheraV. Oh.
1: Okay. I opened up there the chat, go. by the way. Yes, Thank everybody Mike. has been released. You can now chat in the chat. Sorry. Thank I you. I feel
3: so special. So I put RMTC's uh, website there. Um, yeah, I know like Lauren said a lot of places around me are Microsoft 365 districts, so they're using teams Don't know any more than that because we're not I mean we have access to microsoft, but that's not our primary platform. We're google-based
4: Yeah, well, and i'm hearing from different districts Some of them are allowed to use zoom some of them are allowed to use google meets and then you go across the county lines and it's total opposite Well, this district can use Zoom, and this district can use meets and it's it doesn't seem to have any consistency as to why people are saying yes or no. And I don't know how to help streamline some of it for these families. Yeah. Because some of our families don't have Google's and some of our families don't have Microsoft. And I ran into that last week when I looked at doing um, some Microsoft stuff with some of my families. I had to create several of, this, of them in Google as well because they couldn't figure out how to convert an Excel to a Google slide. So, some of, I, how to simplify it for our families, I don't
3: know how to do. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of Screencastify videos. I'm sick of hearing my own voice doing Screencastify videos, um, because we do have, we have teachers that are that way. Forget, I mean, not forget the parents, but to set aside the parents for a second. I have teachers, I have therapists who Technology is not their game. So we're having to piecemeal it little by little. I'm actually doing a mock therapy session this afternoon with my nephew and recording it so they can see it start to finish what it looks like. Um, I think we're just having to bite it off and I've been making lots of screenshot PDF guides, taking things from Google that already exist. Um, I'm trying the best I can to try to get the right resources in the right places um, and I mean, coming out of this two and a half hour meeting, I have, I have more post-it notes all over my desk. You'll be very proud Mike, of things that they're like, we need this, or we need that, or I haven't done. How do I, the questions are way outnumbering the answers we have. And I think that's a a nationwide scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think we're all having these same conversations and Cheryl dropped in the chat. Are we asking parents to fill out a separate, uh, permission form in order to use Google Meet? Or are we co- calling that okay within the bigger so, context of what we do?
3: If it is our teletherapy, if, we're, if it's because we're providing OTPT or speech, we are having them sign a separate teletherapy consent form. It's actually with my staff attorney right now. Um, if it is Google Meet, which is everybody's using it, it's what we're using for IEP meetings, it's all those other things. Um, and as far as I know, we are not having them sign a consent for that. Um,
1: I also have the same experience. Yeah. When, if they're using that across the district for everything they're doing, then they're not sending a separate one. But if they are using it specifically for therapy, um, and we're also having some conversations in a school about therapy sessions in a small group now. And is that a good or a bad thing?
3: It's included in our, in our informed consent and parents have the option to opt out of group sessions. And if one parent opts out of a group session, then we have to see the kids individually. But it's included specifically in ours um, because it's otherwise there's no way to, to capture it all.
1: Yeah. And, and in those, in those forms where you're talking about remote therapy, are you coming up with some kind of list? And it feel like me and Alyssa are just having a conversation, but anybody jump in, obviously. Um, are you guys coming up with thoughts of kind of a expectations list to share with the people on the other side? Because they're going to be so critical to this whole process working.
3: So two things. I have a video that is a parent's reaction to teletherapy. from an early intervention parent who's a kiddo who's just turned three um that I show and offer to all the parents because it's the I did not think this was going to work and now I am a believer and I don't want to go back to the clinic and I like teletherapy so I'm sharing that with them um and then my the other thing we've done is we have a teletherapy information sheet I'm sending it when we send the consent the consent is um a jot form is allowing or giving away free HIPAA compliant uh, based j- forms right now um, to any educators so our form is going to go through jot form just because you can't physically sign i don't know why i'm showing you that you can't physically sign in a google form i haven't figured out how to do it so i went to a different platform for the actual form mm-hmm. um, but then the information form we actually modeled it off of our hospital homebound expectations Hmm. because we have a page we send to our parents that say you have to have a responsible adult they have to have a clean place to work they blah 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 blah. so we kind of took that form and combined it with what we would want like in big bold letters it says do not go out and buy any materials from there for therapy you know like our expectations are not that you're gonna have uh, everything we need you know like all of those things kind of got merged together into one kind of information form
1: yeah I think that's really critical. I think that's going to be um, an important piece. I know the schools that I'm working with, they're using Google Forms, and just at the bottom, they're calling it a digital signature, but you're just typing your name in, and they're using that as a, you know, different people doing it different ways, but anybody else, things you're doing?
3: Yeah, I'll shut up
2: now. No,
1: don't don't shut up. I like when you're chatting, but
2: Alyssa, I think you are the model and I think that you are showing what is possible. I know that other districts are really struggling and not anywhere near where what your district is doing. What do you think is has has your district at the forefront of so much of this?
3: I would almost say we're not so that's why I made the face when you said that so no I think um it's we're not a one-to-one district we don't have a lot of the technology so I think we had to kind of think about okay what can we do we basically have two pathways for parents and I think this is very common along uh, we we're thinking about giving out devices but we're not a one-to-one district and by the time that happens it'll be two weeks from now so we're basically saying to parents do you have a device and computer internet access that will stream a movie, or do you want paper packets of work? And the paper packets are going to go out via, I mean, we have meals coming out all over mm. all of our, our schools. So they're going to go out on the bus route with lunch. Um, that's not happening until next week. So we're kind of modeling our teletherapy, and that's my AT support, that's our OTPT and speech. Off of that, we're saying to parents, I have a Google form, which we talked about last week, and I have sent out to a couple people the directions and the copy of it, but I will put a link in the chat. Um, I have a copy of the form that you guys can take and make a copy of. It basically says, you know, who are your kids? Do you have internet? Do you want teletherapy? If they say, yes, I'm interested in teletherapy, it branches off and says, okay, great. What kind of materials do you have at home? Fine motor, gross motor, sensory. And then it takes them to a comments page. If they say no, then it goes to a separate page that says, okay, so um, are you interested in paper materials from the OT or PT to help or to help address goals and or are you interested in a phone call from your students LTO, PT or SLP, and then it goes to the comments page. Um, So I've kind of used, we're starting that process of saying, okay, how can we get information and not bombard them. Our parents are like, I mean, we, there's, I was out on Twitter and I put it in my presentation. There's a, a picture of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that has to do with school. Um, and school is this very, very, very top portion of the triangle. And I stress that over and over and over to people because I said, Hey, look, this is not the priority right now. And we're aware of that, <laughs> you know, so everybody just kind of needs to take a breath and, Let it be. We had lots of therapists going, but what about sending this home? Can we send home the ear mufflers we usually use or the seated disc or the, and we're sending all that stuff home. We haven't figured out the logistics of getting it home, but we're sending it home.
1: Yeah, that Um, just came up in the chat too, is it? what are districts doing doing related to equipment if you want to send equipment home and how is that working? Um, You know, that's we another, have a
3: release form we've sent home in the past. Like we've yeah. checked out standards over the summer to students. We've done, I mean, if it's going to sit and collect dust, our district stance has been, let's use it. Um, so we try. Um, I'm going to go try and find that link. And yeah.
1: put it in the chat box. I I have schools sending equipment home too. The same way that people could come and pick up a Chromebook if they were a Chromebook school, there was therapy equipment kind of almost almost like a, you know, related to level of need, who needed what, um, that you could come and get to, and it had been cleaned, then it would be provided to you. Uh, no real comment or idea of how to get it back yet. We're uh, not
3: there yet. Back. Yeah,
1: that'll all kind of work itself out. Uh, each school should have some kind of general liability form that gets filled out when you take equipment home. And I would think it would cover that equipment also. That's my thought.
3: I, I would think so. Um, we are doing some, I had a physical therapist go and meet a parent six feet away yeah. and retrain them how to put them in and out this, of the special tomato seat. It was a very interesting training. I wish I had been a fly on the wall because I was like, I know because you are a very, very effective PT that you did this with fidelity, but how you did that and you weren't within six feet of each other, I'm impressed. But I mean, we have done that. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, That question just came up from Bruce, which is the right next question. If you send home mobility and seating equipment, how do we know that the person getting it is equipped, yes, pun intended, equipped (laughs) to manage that um, and get get their child seated or positioned correctly, that it doesn't do more harm than good. And And
3: a lot of of our families, fortunately, are ones that we've kind of checked out materials to before, like Mm. last summer after ESY, we checked it out until the beginning of the school year. So like it was kind of retraining. Um, And we actually, this year, thanks to my PTs, did, every parent who wanted to come in could be there, but the paras, the teachers, anybody who would possibly be transferring the students, we trained them all at the school and documented that we had trained them. So for a lot of, a lot of our parents did come in and we're like, Hey, we have something similar at home. Can we come in at that time? We know it's not possible for every parent to have come in, but yeah. we do have some that, that did do that, which was nice.
1: That is nice. Yeah. And again, these, the things we're talking about right now are more heaps of potential stress we're dropping on families. And so again, I think in our quest to be effective, are we making this much harder for them? and i think we need to find that balance again i think we're constantly finding that balance um even more than just the instruction for the school i think this is in some ways some of these things we're talking about are even asking more of families and caregivers and i think that's really important for us to remember
3: yeah
7: and someone put in the, the chat uh, uh, marby and i work in the same school business. Division and um, so we've been working with the physical therapists and a team. We're both um, assistive technology specialists, and we've been working with the teams um, to survey what's needed for equipment at home. But um, one of the most important thing that we've been doing is trying to focus on more of like an IFSP family service model like we do with our young students because we're looking at we're trying to tell people like look at what's home what's in the home and this whole like idea of like bagless therapy or you know what's already yeah. there or, you know what could you use especially for positioning but um, in some of our PTs our questions are coming out like when our PTs are talking about um, standards for um, maintaining bone density and and giving the recommended amount of time that those things aren't, you can't just use things in the home, Um, some of the mobility equipment that you can't, I don't know, it it just doesn't work. So we're just trying to work through it. And right now we're in the surveying phase of asking um, to be equitable, talking about how to reach out to every single family and asking them the same question. Would you be willing to participate in the training? Um, We're not, this is so, we don't really know, like, how are we going to say, oh, okay, so you're interested, we can get you the equipment or whatever. Right now, our schools are all locked down, like we can't even get into the school building. So right now, it's just information gathering. And then once, what if the parent is involved in the training, but then they don't, seem to be picking up on it or they don't seem to have been meeting like criteria that's going to make sure that it's safe for the student. So those are kind of our questions still about this. Um, It's come up, positioning and mobility equipment in particular has come up, other things too, but that's kind of the area that we're working in the most right now. Um, So any tips that you guys have or ideas, um, (laughs) especially about making it equitable, because we have, like, I don't know, we asked our PTs how many might need this, and then also which ones are therapist-initiated and which ones are family-initiated, because we have a couple of families on one hand that are asking for, like, can I get the gate trainer, can I get the stander, Um, some families don't have room in their house to have both, because we're in a, we're not, I don't know, we're right outside of DC. So I can't say we're like urban, but we're not suburban either. But it's really like a lot of people live in apartment buildings. They might only have one or two bedrooms. You know, they're, it's tight quarters and that equipment is really big. So what do we do about that to make it equitable? So we'll take any ideas that you guys have. <laughs> other people, are other people even having the same kind of conversations or not yet?
3: Oh, it absolutely came up with my meeting with OTs and PTs this morning. And and I just keep telling them we're just going to keep doing the, the the next right thing. <laughs> like, we, we don't seem to always have, I, we have less answers than we have, you know, than we have questions by far. And we're kind of addressing it. We have lots of therapists who've said, oh, yeah, like so-and-so, like, I really don't want them to not have their standard because they've got contractures that are forming, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we've said very specifically to them, okay. Like let's have those conversations with the parent in a very proactive way and don't be offended if the parent says, I just can't. Like, or I want this, but I don't want that. Or if it doesn't go perfectly, like we just, I I think we just have to keep remembering the stress we feel. Like I think it's magnified for our families and we're like you, we are more more than 80% free and reduced lunch in our district. Very like small rural kind of district um even though we're the seat of where the University of Florida is it's still you know that cusp of small and rural and we've got a lot of families that are like i can care less about the standard i want to know about breakfast and lunch
5: yeah
3: like that's where they're at and that's why i put up that Maslow hierarchy of needs for the for my OTs cuz they were all getting like we need to do the take a breath yeah. which i have to remind myself to do too and like think okay what do we need to do about these like What do we need to do to make sure that parent just feels heard?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think sometimes we have these conversations about uh, communication is sometimes the shakiest part of our interactions with, with families. And that will only be magnified in this time if we're not at least just reaching out to start the conversation and say, hey, we are thinking about this. We will reach out. How are you doing? Do you need anything from us now? And I think that's a good start. I mean, I, I had I had two meetings this morning with two different therapists at two different schools, uh, who had a conversation with me about they don't know what their schools are even doing because no one's reached out to them yet. And I thought, well, that's weird because I've spoken to both of your administrators, and so I kind of know. I don't really know totally, but I know a little. And it made me a little worried that their staff themselves who are on spring break this week uh, are not hearing what's happening. And that's well, making me very nervous.
3: And a lot of times our SLPs, our OTs, our PTs, especially OTs and PTs that may be at two schools during a day, they get, they get left off of all kinds of lists. Yes. And this is just magnifying that, you know, I had, had therapists who knew about the faculty meeting at one of my elementary schools this morning and another therapist who had no clue right and just trying to make sure that they're like okay and i think calming everyone down even though i'm all hyped up calming everyone down to say you know what they're telling a teacher in a meeting may or may not apply to you the therapist or a support person or a coach like we're using google classroom as a platform and i had people freaking out how do I use google classroom but you don't. That's the answer. You don't need to. We're not using that for our setup. It doesn't make sense. There's a privacy issue for our OTPT kids. Like, just take a breath. But I think it is a concern when you think, okay, like, do do the OTPT speech, deaf, hard of hearing teachers, teachers, of the visually impaired. Like, are they even being hooked into the school-based information? And based on my district, I'd say maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that kind of yeah. It is, is accurate. I just wanted to see what it said when I said, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it depends. Uh, and that's not great. Obviously, here I am, Captain Obvious. Yeah, that's not great. But we need to think about that from a communication point as we need to kind of lock some of this down for us. And also think about that next step with, with parents and understanding that this might not be the most important thing in their world today, this week, next week, or the one after. Um, But we need to be ready. And this gives us these opportunities to be a little ready when those come up. Um, I I had a school ask me if I could host just exactly what we're doing now at night, one night a week for parents to pop in. Sure. Why not? That would be great. I'd always go for another Zoom meeting. What the heck? Um, But it might help when they're ready. And maybe no one will show up. And maybe 100 people will show up. And maybe I'll spend the whole entire hour saying, I don't know. That's a really good question, but we'll figure it out. And I sense that's probably what will happen. Uh, and so I think we just need to be ready for it. Judy said in the chat, be the coach, not the expert. Just going to coach people through it. And we have to, we'll get through it, uh, but we've got to find those times and make sure everybody's on the right path together.
2: I like uh, Alyssa's um, statement where she says you got to do the next right thing. There yeah. are students with very complex bodies. How do we meet their needs? And I think um, you, everybody has been talking about it's all about relationships and conversations with families. What are their priorities? How can we help meet what they are dealing with at home? And if there's a substitute, I mean, obviously the state. The, the standard is probably very difficult to get into anyone's home. So is there a substitute or what, how are we addressing that? Is, an, is there another way? Is there another priority that the parents are more concerned about that we can help them address? Right. So we're talking about our most complex students too. How about our students who, just, just our regular run-of-the-mill kids on IEPs, how are we addressing their needs as well?
3: So we already have a whole bunch of Snap and Read. We're a Snap and Read district. We already have a whole bunch of Co-Writer. If you don't already use those products, Don Johnson is giving them to you for the next uh, 60, 90 days. Um, We have a lot of parents who, uh, when we initially started using Co-Writer, Snap and Read with their student a year ago, they went, oh, that's really great. Like, I don't really want to know about it, but that's great. Um, And I sent home, I actually had two students' parents contact me over spring break, and say, could you send me those directions again that you yeah. sent? Like, because my kid wants to read whatever. I've added more kids than I can count to our Learning Ally and Bookshare accounts yeah. um, in the last two weeks and sent the information to the parent and whoever their caseload teacher is. Um, we have a Google form for that. My, I think I have a Google form for everything. Um, you know, and so I've tried to kind of catch those kids that, like, as they're thinking, like, I'm moving to. Access my textbook online before and maybe I didn't have to do that because I had a hard textbook in front of me. Let's stop and think about how do we mitigate that issue. Um, you know, and I've actually been referring parents to the, the AT chat, face, the, the AT chat website with those inf- pieces of information. Um, I don't, if you want to bring it up, Mike, in its raw form, um, you can show them um, kind of how we did that.
2: Um, but
1: I did this before, but you weren't here. So I'm uh, sorry.
3: I, I was no, working. That's right. not Thank a you, Alyssa
2: and about. Kelly, okay. so much for your work. This looks awesome.
3: And it's okay. really, uh, really in its infancy. I mean, yes. I think, um, giving people the information. Yeah. If you scroll.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to point people distance learning AT yeah. supports is the page and it will continue to evolve. It's probably evolved since you looked at it this morning. There you go. I dropped those things into it.
3: Yes, it has. I was like, those weren't there before. Yep. Um, so what I used was kind of the headings and then each of these are drop-down menus. So if you want to know about tools to caption or tools to write on or annotate, I just started dropping what I knew and what people had crowdsourced in the document or other places. Um, and added some extra bullets on that one apparently um and there's definitely things that still need information so if there's a question that's not there or an answer that you don't see up there we absolutely want to make sure it's added but if it's friendly enough to a parent that they can jump in and go oh my kid wants to be able to whatever um it does not necessarily hit on our kids with significant needs i kind of see it more as the catch-all right now for kids that have you know, um, learning disabilities, those kinds of need access to materials, although it could absolutely expand to include that.
6: Yeah,
1: I think it could pretty much be whatever we want it to be. So as we keep finding resources or ideas about um, headings of of focus, we will certainly drop them in. We can just keep adding to this as much as we want.
4: Speaking of Bookshare, they at the end of last week created a new page and I added it to the Google um, um, page. They created a Learn From Home section. It has quick guides for educators and for parents. But then they also created a one-page educator shortcut on how to assign box, um, sign books, filter your roster, independent reading, um, trying to make it as user-friendly as possible. Um, and then another thing I've been encouraging my parents is while you still have contact with your instructors, because they're even talking about some schools closing as early as May 8th for our school year, hmm. finding out what is going to be the rule for the summer. Are you going to have access or do you need to go ahead and turn on that individual membership so that you can keep some of that learning happening during the school, year, during a, what's going to be an extended summer yeah. um, for a lot of Oklahoma kids.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I, I was going through one of my district's bookshare page today because I'm the, one of the organizers of it. Um, and seeing who didn't have individual accounts, and we're going to start reaching out to them. Let's get some email addresses so we can get you connected for an individual account.
4: Well, and they made it a lot easier in the last several months on making it so that the school can still be the ones that reset passwords mm-hmm. if things were to happen, um, and made it made some real intuitive things. The other thing I'm suggesting to a lot of our teachers is you're not going to want to assign every single book. Use some of those resources. I think just. Detroit Public Schools, LA Public Schools have gone ahead and made um, grade bandwidths. Assign those, go through them, see if you like them, if you like them, assign those to those grade grade bands because they're gonna need a lot more at home than you (laughs) assigning. Um, And then I've even been added on a couple of the school districts that I work independently with onto their bookshare, so I can keep my students going and they're not having to answer my email of, can you add these five books that we're gonna use this month? Yeah. Um, which is
1: nice. It is nice. Yeah, and look to places. I, I shared the link last week. I'll hunt it down when we're done. Um, Audible has curated a list of free um, audiobooks that you can access from their website without being a member, um, and so that there are some really nice school-based um, titles there. So check them
4: that was out. one of the other things that um, Bookshare, and I added in that, the Google Form is it has instructions for how to access freely available books for all students with some reading lists. So trying to give some ideas for people who aren't qualifying for Bookshare as well was nice of them.
1: That's great. If I could
5: circle back to um, Karen's question about what are we doing, you know, about the students with the typical IEPs, Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we talked about this each week, but I think it's important to just keep talking about, and so not all of our students in schools have Snap and Read and Co-Writer or Read and Write for Google, so it's, um, I've been just talking a lot about the built-in features of the devices that they're using, so, and again, I know we talk about that every week, um, but we don't have to have you know, um, certain Chrome extensions, um, if the student's on the iPad, just about the accessibility features built in. And again, I've been just talking about how to utilizing our paraprofessionals, and that's one way, is stepping back and make sure they're trained in it, whether it's something that we have to do for the paraprofessionals, so then they can support the families getting those um, built-in features um, turned on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. The other thing, I just wanna go back to Bookshare too, Um, We know that self-selected reading is the best indicator of reading success. So what I oftentimes will suggest to teachers is just add on a whole library. You know, find out what the student is interested in, what authors they like, what genre they like, and just add 50 different titles. And then the students can choose what they want to listen to because that's how they enjoy reading. That's, we want to instill a love. Of reading with our students who are dyslexic or have learning disabilities because oftentimes they hate to read and and we have to um we have to break that cycle and just give them the opportunity to listen to the books that they really want to um to explore and really get into. Even some of the ones like Percy Percy Jackson they're maybe in fifth, sixth grade but they're reading at a second grade level but they would love to read what their peers are reading. So add Pierce Percy Jackson books or, you know, whatever it is. So add the library. It doesn't just have to be what the teachers are assigning. I love it, it when the library. librarians
4: are added, not just having your teachers, but making sure that librarian yeah. is is one of the people who can help assign books because they know what's going on in the regular library. And yep. if they can start dumping some of these books into these kids' libraries, um, and that may be someone who's got, let's just say, not as not necessarily as much on their plate, but they have an idea of what the kids might be interested in. Yep. So if we can use them, I, lo- I love it when I can get a librarian as being one of the co-sharers on an account.
2: Yeah. The other great. thing too with Bookshare is they have a special collection section. Mm. So, I mean, there's over 400 different special collections, including like all the American Girl doll books and all the you know, different authors. Um, all of the Henry and Mudge book I mean there's just a variety of different collections already created that we can just easily share with our students and so just to be aware of the special collections as well I mean there's um books the Call call winners there you know there's just a lot of different great book collections already created by Bookshare.
5: You know it'll be interesting um, Karen you brought up about the students who just don't like to read and now students don't really have access to books and it's becoming more audiobooks, I'll be curious if that that rekindling or just finding out that, hey, I actually really do like to read and it's because of all of the audiobooks that are available now.
1: Yeah. That'll yeah. be interesting to see, yeah, this kind of a, um, access to these materials and the ways, these different modalities that now they are, are gonna probably be using more often. Um, Lauren asked if anybody's using Flipgrid to make training videos. Andor increase engagement. Anybody using
6: Flipgrid? a hey, great Mike.
2: resource.
6: Yeah, I, I'm not creating training videos through there. I typically do those at home, but I am trying something different just to stretch myself a little bit. I'm doing a series called Learning On The Go, and it literally is on the go. I'm actually gonna be walking my dog and sharing AT tips uh, while I do that. So I, I have a gimbal that I purchased and haven't had a chance to use it, and this would be a great opportunity. So a gimbal is just a stabilizer. So as you're walking, it keeps the camera uh, steady so that you all don't get motion sickness. So look for that soon. I I was hoping to do it last week, and then I got sick with uh, not COVID-19, but allergies. (laughs) So if the COVID-19 won't get me, the allergies will. Uh, So I'm hoping to resume that this week. So I'll share that in a a future uh, chat.
2: Luis, what, what do you think your first topic or your first tip will be?
6: I would say just to keep it simple. And we've talked about that quite a bit. Like uh, this is a difficult time for everybody. So just kind of taking a step back and you know, keeping uh, some essential understandings in mind. Like you don't have to do it all this week or next week or a month from now, but just um, you know, keeping things simple. And then um, I think my first one is actually three accessibility tests anybody can do. So just something really simple uh, that, you know, it doesn't require expert knowledge, it's just something for you to help evaluate some of the resources that are coming across your, your feed, the tsunami, if you will, of free tools yeah. that are coming through.
1: Yeah, and now more than ever, we need to remind people that it's not all about tools. I know we all know that, and we all say that anyway, but I, I'm still fielding emails every day, like, tell me another tool, or I know these three, but tell, there must be something else. And it's it's reminding people um, to take a step back from that.
6: Um, And and my suggestion to Mike, to go along with that, you know, the the big companies have accessibility teams for a reason. Mm -hmm. So Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, some of the LMS companies, they have accessibility teams that are always looking at their tools and trying to improve them. And even if they're not perfect, uh, you know that they've dedicated, you know, lots of resources to doing this. So that's one of my tips is, you know, look at what the big companies are doing first, uh, because they've taken care of a lot of the work first, you know? Yeah. So let's start
1: there and then move out from there. Yeah. And think about, and, and don't be afraid to go visit YouTube. If you see a feature in your phone or on your computer that you're not quite sure what it is, type it into YouTube. I'm pretty sure something probably lives there already. That'll give you a general idea of how it works um, and maybe the features that are there before you start diving into things.
6: Um, you know, My, my the, favorite is always when it's a kid teaching it. So yeah. you, you get to hear that high-pitched voice when you first play the YouTube video. That's my favorite. That is pretty great, actually, <laughs> I agree. Uh, people are talking about Flipgrid
1: and about the idea of, could you use it as a place for tutorials, um, or is it more about assigning? I guess it depends on the way you use it, uh, and you could think about using it creatively. Typically, people use it as an assignment location. The teacher puts an assignment out, Everybody responds to the assignment, um, but you could potentially use it differently. I was just talking to a therapist friend this morning um, about the idea of she wants to put a video out to show her students how to perform a task that they're working on, tie in your shoes, button in your shirt, whatever it might be, um, and they're going to respond back in the Flipgrid, and we're going to turn the Flipgrid off so that she has to approve videos before they post, and she'll just never post them so they can continue to put videos on there, but it's not sharing it with everybody who the grid is shared with. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting way to um, do that, To and, and Kelly points out that not all students are comfortable with video. Yeah, I agree, I think that there's, what are we trying to do with this task and can we provide other options? Is it an audio option? Is it pictures? Um, of you doing a task. Is it, is it a writing task that you can turn into words? What is the task and how can we show uh, the different ways someone can do something?
3: And it is good. There are tons of tools out there because as progressive as our district is, Seesaw and Flipgrid are still not approved for use. Yeah. So you have to kind of think creatively, how do we do this, you know. And knowing, think about the tool you have and what you could use and what you can't use. But I, I think there's a tool for every need. It's just a matter of yeah,
7: figuring out
3: what's the best way to convey it and what, as you, you as the trainer are most comfortable <laughs> with. Because while you have time on your hands to learn a new tool, this might not be the time to, like, experiment okay. and jump into something you've never used before. there,
6: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just like we say, you know, the test shouldn't be the first time you see the tool. <laughs> A crisis shouldn't be the first time you see the tool. Yeah.
4: Well, A lot lot of the major companies are offering free for, you know, the next three or four months, which is really fabulous. And I see lots of teachers creating lots of great information, but they're creating it within such tight little boxes Mm -hmm. that once that time turns off, they're not going to have access to it anymore. But if they created it in Word or in Google Docs and then uploaded the PDF versus creating it, they would at least still have it in the future. And I really hate that we haven't, aren't gonna lose a lot of great information because our schools then can't turn around and afford to keep using whatever plat- platform that teacher was using.
1: Yeah, and, and again, this might be an, an opportunity for us to be on this three-month trial with a tool to demonstrate to administration why it is important and why it is valuable. It's interesting the different ways we can look at this, but I agree, I think that, if you put some if you create something in a closed system and then that system goes away well, you're gonna be out of luck when it's when it's finished um, so keep that in mind too
5: and I'm working with a lot of schools who never even used um, a learning management system so they don't use canvas they've never done an e-learning day and so scrambling they're under high stress now trying to figure out which learning management system to use and how to use it um, so I feel their pain for sure. And supporting them has been, you know, it's it's a long process, but I'm, I get concerned, which we can do it. They can do it. Um, but getting all of that training for when the school date starts and what does that look like? Um, that's, that's tough. Yeah.
1: Right. And is it, and is it something that's at the forefront of their mind to think about right now? Or are they just so laser focused on getting things out there Mm -hmm. that they're not thinking of the broader, um, I don't want to say repercussions, that seems like the wrong word, but the the, the broader aspects of some of these um, rolling out of instruction issues. Um, and Judy even mentioned data collection, like how are we showing whether these tools are being effective or not? It's just us dumping a bunch of, bunch of stuff out there. And is that really the best way to do it? Oh, look at us. Look at us. We got three minutes, guys, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be aware of your time and I'm not gonna keep us here longer. I'll just shut this thing down right at one. I don't care. Doesn't matter. No, I- um, You like
3: having the power to do that,
1: don't you? I do, the chat, the power to shut the whole thing down. It is quite the power <laughs> trip I'm on. Uh, but anything else before we, before we wrap up for the week? And we can continue these discussions, obviously, online. Um, there's chats. I don't know what the patents chat is gonna do this week, Kelly.
5: Um, tomorrow is supporting students with anxiety.
1: That sounds good. And then AT Chats on Wednesday. Karen, I know the answer to this already, but (laughs) I want to Karen pop back on. Karen, what's our topic for this week? She'll pop on. I don't know what our topic is yet. I'm guessing it'll probably be something like this.
2: Yeah, do we have one? Yeah, we'll continue these conversations. Mike and I I often come up with our topic on Tuesday or Wednesday. I was just
1: going to say, Karen and I will have our customary Tuesday chat and we'll figure it out. Anyone if anyone
2: has ideas we are always open because we've been running the chat for it must be about 10 years now and for every week except in the summer lots of ideas and we yes. we need new ones
1: so we can certainly keep this conversation going um, but uh, if you have a specific idea um armin asked where we find the online links again the online links for um atchat all live at the atchat website which is atchat.info there's the online ATFAT uh, website. The links the links for these upcoming uh, town halls and the Friday afternoon open office live at the New Jersey AT Act website, which is the website we're on the director. Here's our website, at4nj.org. Ignore the oops, that page can't be found. That can't be good. There it is. Uh, AT, the number four, nj.org is our website. And then these live under the services tab for the community of service. And here's all the links for the upcoming activities. Um, The open forum, the open forums, we just had to register just so we kind of had a sense of who might show up. The open office hour happens every Friday at one and it's just a link, click and join us and have a conversation. We'll stay as long as people are in there and then we'll just at some point bug out when everybody's had enough. Um, but those are the ways we can get together for the next couple of weeks. Join the Twitter chats, follow things on Twitter as you go. Um, as always, it is a pleasure to chat with you guys during the week. This is always fun. I like these. These are nice. Um, the online links again, Armin, are at at4nj.org. i put it in the chat so you guys have it. Um, I will make the recording of this. And post it up on the on the YouTube channel and also on the on the ATChat website. Uh, so it'll live there again, ATChat.info and the YouTube channel. And then I will post the chat window also. So I'll make sure I pull everything out of the chat window so we have the text as well. Just so you guys have everything. Because I know there were a bunch of links in there too. All right. Any last words right. before we bug out? Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
4: Have a great week, everyone.
1: Yes, have a good week, guys. Smile. It'll be okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Mike. Thanks guys. Thanks
0: for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Do you have an idea for a future episode? Leave an audio message via speakpipe at speakpipe.com slash with your suggestion. It may appear on an upcoming episode. To stay current on all things inclusive and assistive technology, follow Mike on Twitter at MMATP and visit his website at MMATP.com for inclusive technology resources and all the previous podcast episodes.